0: Hello and welcome to Minto Dialogue, episode number 243. Today is Sunday, the 23rd of July, 2017, and boy do I have a corker for you. This interview is with Caleb Storkey, who's my chum and co-author of the upcoming book, Future Proof, How to Get Your Business Ready for the Next Disruption. I wanted to share this chat I had with Caleb about our book to give you, my loyal, loyal listeners, a little insight into what's coming out. We discuss what are the key points and learnings we've had so far. In particular, we dig into how our network has been reacting to the more provocative elements. And we've got a special offer going for anyone who pre-orders on futureproofly. That's futureproof.ly. Welcome to the Minter Dialog Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minterdial, author of themindset.com. That's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T. Where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. Hello, this is Minter Dialogue, and today a special, most special guest, maybe the special guest my co-author of the upcoming book, Future Proof, Caleb Storkey, who I've had on the show before, but that was before we even got into this project. So, Caleb, welcome back on the show. How are you?
1: Hey, lovely to be here, Minter. It is delightful. We're sitting in Hoxton Gardens enjoying a nice glass of wine, and I can't think of anything better than I like to be doing right now apart from talking stuff with you. So, I'm doing great. Thanks, Minter.
0: All right. So, Caleb, um, we've got this book coming out on August 24th, published by Pearson, so it's been quite a journey for us as we both embarked on this first published book. Of all the chapters that we got together, uh, are there is there one that resonates the most or you've had the most interesting kind of feedback in as you've talked about it with your friends
1: and, and your colleagues? Yeah, I mean, it's quite tricky to choose one because um, there's been a bunch that we've written there. There's been 15 in total. Um, I suppose, yeah, what I've really enjoyed recently, we've had lots of conversations... Um, Uh, amongst people I've been talking to, some of the clients I've been working with around what it means to be responsible. So responsibility has been quite a fun chapter. I think especially in the light of everything that's been going on with Uber and with Travis, uh, and with McClure from 500 Startups and obviously all the funding issues around VCs and the sexism that's been shown there. I think this whole issue of what does it mean for people to take responsibility, especially for those in power, to take responsibility for their actions, for their behavior, for themselves, I think that's been a really interesting topic that's come up quite a lot in conversation. And it definitely sparks a, a few very interesting debates.
0: Yeah, well, we certainly had our own as we uh, had the fun <laughs> of, of putting it together. When you look at the, the issues we've seen in, in terms of a lack of responsibility, perhaps is the, the way we could term what's been happening with Travis and McClure, but they're, of course, just the tip of the iceberg because we know that the issue of responsibility is a bigger one. And I, I think, think, you know, chatting with you, part of the responsibility is this chasing for short-term profits and the way that the shareholders, whether it's VC or private equity, has contributed to this lack of responsibility. What do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the focus often isn't about creating meaningful products or creating something that's going to have a long-lasting difference, but it's very much focused around funding rounds. So, you know, working lots with startups, we see so much of a focus on what you need to do to get to the next funding round as opposed to how you're going to create something that's going to really create impact and lasting impact and uh, deliver a level of um, meaningfulness across society. And so, yeah, I I think from a funding round perspective um, and short term profit perspective uh there can be a real lack of responsibility there but i think also just in terms of i think the outlook on what does it mean for people to uh, identify and take their own personal responsibility in in a number of different ways you know obviously in terms of travis there's it's very easy to watch the video of him sat in the uber swearing at his driver and you know to to take a quick poke at that and think you know he, he dropped the ball there but typically that that behavior comes off the back of A number of smaller choices that that are easily made and that over time develop habits of ways that you might communicate and think it's appropriate to communicate so i think responsibility starts in the small habits and builds out from there
0: I, i i love the way you talk about it at some level though is it also not about the people you choose to hang out with and the ability to keep a, an honest dialogue such that your friends still have retain the right, have the permission to say, hey, Caleb, or hey, Minter, you fucked up, or you, you're not, you, know, you did poorly there. Is there, is that, is there. is there not some responsibility that hangs out in that level, too?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think this is the thing that, that excites me the most is true relationships and true friendships allow that transparency and allow that vulnerability to be in play. And I think sometimes when power comes and when ego gets in, in the way, it's very easy for us to, to hold other things at bay and sort of say, well, look, I'm I'm not wanting to be accountable. You know, the, the classic statements would be that people don't want to talk about sex. They don't want to talk about power. They don't want to talk about money. They want to keep certain things behind closed doors. And, and on one level, um, although everyone, you could argue, deserves the right for privacy the problem with that lack of transparency or that lack of accountability is that you can get away with a whole load of behaviour that's not appropriate so I love the fact that on my whatsapp group I've got three friends who I probably communicate with at least two or three times a day and we're all communicating with each other and we will all rip shreds out of each other because we deserve it because we love each other because we support each other because we recognise that without that ability to hold one another to account not just with regards to the big issues in life but just in terms of what we're trying to achieve what we're trying to perform the things we're trying to deliver on that's the thing that kind of is is the depth of true friendship. So, so I, I don't know whether it means that um, there's a lack of um, owning that vulnerability or that transparency, um, and therefore that needs to be more prevalent within um, companies within infrastructures. But I do think the, the the benefits of that completely weigh out the the fear factor of saying, you know what, guys, this is an issue that uh, I probably need to address. And. And maybe we all need to try and find that space, not just to be that to ourselves or find other people that can play that role with us, but also we need to play, play that role for other people and make ourselves available to be non-judgmental and to be able to support one another in that journey to, to be better people. Some might call it tough love.
0: You, so we were just talking about the idea of having, let's say, a friends and network. The other thing that you just mentioned really, it struck a chord with me, is you're talking about WhatsApp groups and it strikes me i've now gotten into more and more whatsapp groups so i find it it rather refreshing that of course you have your best friends and really the telephone or a pint of beer is usually the most likely way or the most obvious way especially for the older farts like myself to get in and talk about you know hey listen mentor you you screwed up but there's there is evidently a, a level of trust in an application like whatsapp which is only digital as a space and a forum to actually bring people call them to the mat
1: yeah I mean I think I think often the true levels of quality relationship come from well I, I personally feel that the people that I've known that depth of relationship with have come from the conversations over coffee over wine you know into the night where you're choosing to intensely be be vulnerable and then it's very easy to translate that onto a digital form format because you've already reached that relational relational place i think also on the flip side of it it's often quite refreshing for people to be very vulnerable to people they don't even know you know that they haven't met in a physical form but they actually feel very connected to in a digital format because in essence there isn't the um the awkwardness of sharing how they feel and then they can do it very digitally and be slightly semi-anonymous around it so um yeah, I think I think what's happened and other digital formats are very interesting in terms of the levels of disclosure that we often can see there. It's amazing.
0: So um, when I think about the when I presented and um, maybe now ten times the content of the book and the the concept of responsibility uh, is awfully interesting in a corporate environment because corporations tend to have firewalls, tend to have systems, and people tend to rely on them too much. And and cyber security is the one that really, yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're just at the tipping point, beginning of the tipping point of maybe it's the mm. beginning of no, the middle, the end of the beginning. <laughs> as far as <laughs> I can't remember who said that, but in terms of how cybersecurity is going to go down, and and our notion of taking personal responsibility for our cyber hygiene is is something that I've heard a lot of uh, people in my group, uh, you know, the people I've been talking to, were interested in. Are there any other areas, uh, Caleb, that have uh, sparked um, any curiosity amongst all the different topics we've been talking about? Whether it's you know personal, you know either our three mindsets or the technologies.
1: I think the other things in the responsibility obviously would be around um, the need to take responsibility on personal branding. I think that's really important. That if we're looking to be congruent with who we are, then I think that's a very simple one to, to master. But equally, I think um, around continuous learning, I think this is the bit that. That I always get most excited by is is that need to constantly be looking to grow and to develop and to take responsibility with what it means that we're looking to try and learn. And um, yeah, and so I I find there's always conversations that are happening that I mean, you and I riff off this constantly. You know, we're looking to always think about what the latest things are that we're both uh, grappling with, trying to learn, trying to understand. Uh, And I know with both my clients, your clients, the people that we're talking to, again, it's like how do we share knowledge and information uh, in a way that really engages um, inspires and allows people to be provocative and and to go beneath the headlines and beneath the short articles but really to grapple with the bigger issues and and what those issues mean for businesses and how those uh, how those things are implemented across an organization so for me what's it mean to take responsibility for our learning is so central and uh, I, I, so completely joyful when it comes to um our own lives and development i just i love it i think it's great
0: so uh, maybe right after i 'm going to ask you what, are you what are the best sources you might have for your for your ongoing learning. But the way I respond to that, your comment, is uh, I spoke. To, I was at the Cision Conference and I was speaking to a couple of hundred uh, communicator people, people in communications. And it's true that I got a lot of positive feedback about this notion that actually personal or continuous learning isn't only about staying up to date with what's going on, being good at your business. It's about being a kid again, allowing for our curiosity to play an important part of every day. And by being in a phase of continuous learning, it just gives us an extra step, a little bit of extra energy. So what's what, what the um, what's your favorite like app or whatever source that you have in the morning? What do you go to?
1: So just before that, so I've just been to Paris with my daughter, Iona, and, and one of the things that struck me, just what you're saying there, about the, um, the innocence of, of learning and continuously learning as a child does. I mean, so Iona, she is just taking everything in and everything is explorative, everything's new, everything's exciting. She's asking questions that it's very easy to stop asking as you go through life. She hasn't got the cynicism in there. She hasn't got the the boredom there. She hasn't got the, yeah, yeah I know this. There's, a, there's an intrigue about everything and everything is a question. And, and I think that beautiful explorative curiosity um, is a real... Uh, foundation for what it means to learn so yeah when it comes down to the apps i mean to be honest uh, I'm i'm a big fan of feedly uh, i've probably got about 600 different um blogs that i've yeah that i kind of read on a regular basis so um uh, so that that for me is my favorite app. Flipboard as well is a great tool. Um, mostly when I'm not in such a digestive uh, reading mode, I want a little bit a, a little bit more of a visual mode. Um, flipboard on my phone obviously is a, is a key one as well. But yeah, between the two of those, that, that's great. And then equally, you know, when it comes to podcasts and when it comes to uh, a number of different um, people that I'll be listening to, I kind of carry that around with me.
0: Yeah. So one of the other topics that I've i 've definitely seen resonate when I'm speaking to different audiences is this notion of meaningfulness, and uh, the comments i 've had back is it's so refreshing for them, even in a context of new tech, to have conversations about meaningfulness uh, thrown in and, and, and I, 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 I see these these heads bobbing in front of me as I, I talk about it, and I just love this notion that that people are evidently searching for their why for their purpose yeah. How it resonated for you?
1: Yeah, I think this is always the thing that comes up when people have got the time to reflect. So equally, you know, when, when we're talking about this, when we're sharing on this, I think there is a real sense of there has to be more than just going through the motions and it has to be more than simply just a financial profit. Uh, so what's the impact on society? How are we changing people's lives? How are we creating space for the next generation? How are we uh, creating legacy? I think is the thing that comes up time and time again. So what does it mean once people have got beyond that stage of life where they're needing to focus on provision for their family, where they actually want to make a lasting impression and create something of value that other people can, can where their lives can be truly impacted by that. So meaningfulness comes up all the time. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of the bits that really kind of grab me when it comes around to meaningfulness, I, I'm really excited by thinking through what does meaningfulness mean when, when it comes to people thinking through their, their genuine purpose. You know, so some of the themes we explore, we explore purpose, we explore people, um, we explore what it means for people to take responsibility when it comes to the planet. But but the purposefulness is, I suppose, always at the heart of many conversations. You know, what is people's why? You know, what is people's true north? What does it mean for someone to take um, and to identify? Well, what? Why are they doing what they're doing? What What's the impact the organisation is looking to have? Why does it exist? Why is it standing there? Uh, Why is it spending all that energy and time trying to uh, create a service or a product? And therefore, what's the purpose behind that? And and I think if we can create more space for people to explore what it means for their work genuinely to have meaning, not sort of the classical flip chart meaning stuff, but genuinely to have meaning in a way that it creates lasting impact, I think that's an important conversation we need to create more space for.
0: Well, I love that. And one of the other things I liked in our collaboration on this book was this you, you, you have a Caleb or uh, well that's something I really appreciated was your ability to bring me down to earth as well and so within the purpose uh, you know you've got the high faluting purpose but it's, there's, there's so many other ways to create purpose or at least create meaningfulness so that it's not necessarily you don't have to be Mahatma Gandhi in your business, and, and you, you talked about this uh, this notion of uh, p- the prize as being a way of creating meaningfulness, so tell us some of the ones that strike you about with that
1: Well, I, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we recognise that people need those basic survival instincts at the bottom, uh, but what does it mean to I suppose create a legacy. What does it mean to create something that's that's significant for other people? And for some people the the prize is is more simplistic. It might be promotion, it might be increased pay, it might be those areas that are really focused around them. But, you know, I, I love a lot of Richard Rawls thinking and he explores, you know, the different stages of consciousness and what it means therefore to Create something that's going to be significant in the lives of other people. Uh, so it no longer becomes about you being the centre of the universe and mm. your identity and your achievements and your gravitas being what drives you. Actually, it's about what's the impact that you're leaving for other people. What's the ways that you're serving other people? How you how you honouring other people, blessing other people, creating a context and environment where other people can flourish. And and I think that's a really hard one when it comes to, especially the worlds that we live in. When it comes to sort of tech businesses, when it comes to larger corporations. There isn't that space to actually often take a step back and say, what does it mean for me to create space and meaning for other people? There's a very much a focus on the individual. And I, and I think uh, the heart of meaningfulness has to be other people, has to be serving other people on that basis. And the same way this lovely ice cream van is serving us right now.
2: Well, I think <laughs> yeah, I
0: think we can call this our prize, some soft <laughs> ice cream. So, um, Caleb, I, we'll see how our, our softy uh, keeps going. By the way, well, my, my nickname at university was Soft D. Soft D, <laughs> Ship of Fools Team Director. Um, that's a scoop. So, um, last area we wanted to get into, Caleb, uh, there are 12 technologies we talk about. Is there one technology, if, if we can choose, that we all have, we like so much, but is there one technology that you think has been uh, resonating more recently with your friends and
1: colleagues? I mean, I was just literally having a conversation last night with someone who is exploring the whole driverless cars concept. And, uh, and I love this, because I think the penny dropped when they moved away from being a car, it, the necessity for it being a car and the way that people standardly explore what a car means. And they actually thought, hang on, what happens if it could be bigger than a car? Well... Surely you could do a lot more. And I think the, the exploration was like, of course, you know, if we're in a vehicle and the vehicle is driverless and you're able to move from A to Z and do things within that vehicle, what would that mean? And I think the, the interesting conversations that constantly crop up, you got on one spectrum, I'm never going to touch that because you know, it'd be too panicky. It's too scary for me to jump in a car with my partner driving, let alone not being up behind a wheel myself. And so I think what's interesting for me will be as, as that's more readily adopted, and I think obviously as we explore in the book, I think Tesla's leading the way in that dynamic. I think what we'll see is the exploration, the capacity to turn around and say, well, what are the other ways that cars can be utilised and, and taken advantage of will be something very stimulating. And um, her very firm argument, uh, she was she was in an interview uh, with a potential new boss, and her very firm argument would be, absolutely uh, new recruits should have driverless cars because you'll get way more from us in terms of motivation, but also you'll get an extra two hours a day from us on that basis too. Um, so we, we gave her the case to, um, to, put, to put a strong argument forward uh, in the conversation, and uh, let's see if she managed to achieve it.
0: What you say I think could, in some regards, be a translated on every technology. There is a negative risk yeah. associated with each one of these. And then there's, depending on your mindset, an opportunity that could be huge. How? How? I mean, just—I'd be interested to hear from you. What do you think are the ways that people can? How, how do you determine whether you should be positive or negative on these
1: technologies? I think you've got to have a level. I mean, we, we both agree—you you need a level of skepticism, so you're not just blindly going into things, arms flailing in the air, thinking "Hallelujah!" This is the chosen technology. So there needs to be a level of skepticism where you're able to critique it. But equally, I, I think the curiosity, the openness, the, the exploration of how do businesses and organizations benefit from this is central. And typically, that open is to ask the, yeah, but what ifs and whys, and those questions that open up exploration. I mean, it was interesting. It took this conversation with this person. You know, she's a smart girl, and it took around about 20 minutes to get to the point of actually exploring, ah, hang on a second, there's so much more that you could do with this. And actually... I need to be taking this to my new boss and saying, "This is why you you've got to allow me to be one of the first people to drive a driverless car." Well, not driverless. I have a driverless car within the organisation. So for me, curiosity and openness, a healthy level of scepticism, but also recognition that this isn't this isn't new. Like time and time again, there's been new innovations. There's always been the naysayers. There's always been those people that, that are saying, "Oh, that's not possible." But generally, by and large, those who embrace it, but with a, a careful thoughtfulness and then think through how that can be implemented into an organisation, they typically win out so bring on the winners
0: Caleb uh, of course it's been a pleasure working with you on this book and we're just at the beginning of the
1: ditto
0: <laughs> right <laughs> so um, how, how, how can someone uh, get in touch with you and then uh, talk us through how if anyone's interested in pre-ordering what they should be doing
1: so, yeah, so um, the website for the book is futureproof.ly. So that's futureproof.ly, and you can ping us an email on caleb at futureproof.ly. Um, so that's minterly, Minter, not Minterly. <laughs> minter at futureproof.ly. <laughs> yep, so you can reach either of us on that basis. Um, and in terms of pre ordering the book, so obviously, um, as you say, the book comes out at the end of August. Um, 24th is the pencil date, and there's a bunch of pre order offers that we've got there on the website. I think significantly we're, we're really interested in exploring you know, organisations that we can talk with and, and go in and run workshops or deliver webinars or keynotes. And I think that's where the rubber hits the road. There's so much thinking that we've done in terms of what would this mean for an organisation to embrace and adopt these technologies. There's so many ideas that you have the space, but there's so many ideas we haven't had the space to explore within the book. And it'd just be incredible just to work with different partners to try and explore well, what does it mean for their organisation to embrace some of these technologies, to utilise some of the ideas we express and share uh, within, within the chapters and, and most importantly to see it have an impact not just on the financial bottom line but on the triple bottom line as the organisations perform so anyway, a bit of a rant uh, but yeah, it would be lovely um, to connect with people and um, do drop us an email and what I can also say
0: Caleb is I, you know, having now gone through this with you on the second book uh, I did none of this on the first book so I'm learning as we go so I know we, we have an offer that lasts until the end of July uh, so if you're interested in pre-ordering that is the date where we's, we have lots of goodies for you uh, and uh, Caleb uh, let's enjoy another glass of white wine yeah? and um,
1: see you anon. on cheerio thanks Minter
0: thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue show you'll find the show notes on themindset.com that's mindset with a Y where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe if you like the show please do rate it on iTunes that really makes my day happy trails and enjoy josh sax's painted fingers
2: oh fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray and heal me with all your imperfections that you mention in your